What's up guys? Hope you're having a great day. I had two things I wanted to throw out today. First thing, very much appreciate the reviews that you guys have been leaving. If you haven't done so already and you're enjoying the show, I would love it if you could leave a review. It's very much appreciated. That helps us to get the word out. It also is motivational for me. It keeps me going. Appreciate that again and keep them coming. Second thing, I'm a partner in a planning firm, Ren Financial Planning. I've mentioned this before, and we're going to be doing something a little bit new that I wanted to throw out there. So we have always had an introductory call that's no cost for any of you guys that aren't working with us, where we talk about our services and that sort of thing. So we're going to be flipping it a little bit for you guys, for listeners of this show. Basically, we've really enjoyed those of you guys that we're, we've been able to interact with. Some of you we're working with, some of you we've just had calls, and either way, it's been enjoyable. So what we're going to be doing is changing the agenda a little bit of those calls. So basically, we're going to make it about you. So really, whatever you want to talk about in that 30-minute slice of time is going to be the goal. So Maybe you have some big stuff coming and you're, you want to talk through some potential scenarios like going into practice or buying a house, or maybe you'd like a second set of eyes on some, something like a tax return. That's a good example of something like a tax return. If you're working with us, you know this already, but we can often find lots of value just in a quick glance of a tax return. Or maybe you have some investment stuff that you want a second set of eyes on. Whatever it might be, those are the types of things we can look at specific stuff that are that's on your mind and talk through that. We're not going to be able to give advice in that 30-minute slice of time. In fact, if someone's trying to give you advice like real quick like that, I would be cautious of it, even if they were willing to give you advice. Just like this podcast, I wouldn't take advice from somebody podcasting randomly on the internet. It's important to do your homework and do your due diligence and build a relationship personally before you're taking advice because you know you, you need to understand each other. So that's important to point out. That doesn't mean there won't be value. The goal in this meeting is to provide as much value as possible in that slice of time and really give you a little bit of a taste of what it's like to work with a CFP that really specializes in working with physicians. So if you have interest in taking that sort of meeting will link to the show notes, the scheduler link for that meeting. And when you go to schedule it, make sure to where it asks you where you found us, make sure to put finance for physicians podcast so that we know to adjust the agenda a bit and cover it this way. Okay. So if you've been listening for a while, you know, I've really been into this whole new way of practicing medicine called direct care. And so I've interviewed multiple physicians that have started their own practices and are really thriving in this new model. I've talked to several consultants that are specialized in helping these types of practices to really thrive. I've even talked to a few complementary businesses that have spurred up to kind of help support this new way of doing medicine. And I think it's interesting from my view to see how much these physicians working in this new model are really just loving it. Like they, they absolutely love it. And they're thriving professionally. While many colleagues of their colleagues and you listening are struggling, feeling the opposite, maybe like the traditional system of healthcare seems to be just like pushing people the other direction towards burnout. You've heard a lot about that too. And so I think it's safe to say, at least me personally, I'm completely sold on this being a fantastic model and really a great solution to help to fix healthcare and reduce burnout in the profession. 
Now the business model, the direct care business model has seen some pretty good growth, but if you look at the overall profession, it's still like a tiny fraction of physicians out there. So I think there is a ton of room for growth, but there seems to be some really big hurdles out there for, for you guys listening. Like if you're physicians, I, a lot of people are interested in it, but like it's pretty intimidating. And I think those big hurdles, really the biggest one typically is financial. Like this whole, I got to start a business and take on a big financial risk and give up the guaranteed salaries and all that comes with that. And I don't have financial experience and knowledge. So that's that can be super scary and intimidating to the point where you really don't ever do it. But I don't think that in itself is a reason to stop you. As this industry or subset of the profession is developing, we're starting to see some like alternatives that are like workarounds to this. So my guest today is Dr. Anna Boyer, and she is a good example of one of those particular workarounds. She has had the opportunity to recently start her own DPC practice in Zionsville, Indiana. She's only been open in her practice for four months now, but really the only reason she was able to make the jump was because she partnered with a company that kind of facilitates this whole thing for direct care practices. The company is called Freedom Healthware, Freedom Healthworks. Their program they call Freedom Doc, but basically they help physicians to start up their own direct care practices and take a lot of that risk and business financial responsibility off the plate of the physician to allow them to go in and focus more on seeing the patients and not be so paralyzed by this massive risk. Anyway, we, in our conversation today, we discuss her story and how she got into medicine in the first place. We talk about her experience starting into practice in the traditional system of healthcare and some of the struggles she started to have with balancing, providing quality care to her patients while also spending quality time with their family. She shares how she realized that this direct care model would allow her to spend more time with patients and ultimately provide them the type of care that she had always envisioned providing. But even knowing this information, she still really struggled with this whole big risk, this idea of making the big jump and the knowledge gap that existed and to the point where she was probably never going to do it. But she was fortunate in that she found this program that was that basically helped her to have the confidence to make the jump. And once she did her homework and realized that the program was legit and had a track record and wasn't just like a catch or something, she shares how she was able to really jump in. And and now fast forward four months from now, or four, four months from the start, she's been able to exceed the growth projections and, and is very happy. I think this will come across in, in when you hear her. She's just generally very happy. So we had a great conversation. I'm excited to share it with you today. And so let's jump into that now. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. 
In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to see you again. I am uh, excited. You have a lot of cool things going on and and you have in you're in the background of your practice that you're running now and that's cool to see for those of you guys that are watching the video. But I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about your business, your practice, what you've got going on there and digging into that, but maybe a good starting point before we go into that would be if you could share maybe just a little bit about like your story, like how did, I'm curious, like, how did you, why did you go into medicine? What was your path to start? Maybe a little bit about training and then how you got to this point where you have a practice. Okay. Well, that's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> that's um, all good. We got time. <laughs> I've always really just wanted to be a doctor. That's since I was three years old, that's what I was telling my parents I wanted to be. Wow. One, t- one time I like briefly entertained the idea of becoming an ice cream truck driver because I thought that you could eat all the ice cream, but you shouldn't really eat all your profits. So other than that, doctor was the plan just from the beginning. I It probably sounds like cliche, but I did genuinely want to be a doctor to help people and serve my community. So that's always been the plan all along. And I'm one of the boring traditional med students. I went to college at IU Bloomington, studied chemistry and Spanish there. And then I went to an osteopathic medical school called the West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine in Lewisburg, West Virginia. So I spent a lot of time there just kind of walking around the grounds. It's very pretty, volunteering, that kind of thing. So And then after residency, I moved back home to Indiana, where I grew up. Crawfordsville, Indiana is a small town, kind of west central of Indianapolis. And I'm a National Health Service course scholar. So they, like, thankfully, wonderfully paid for my med school. And in turn, I did four years of service in an underserved community. And I was like shocked to find out Crawfordsville, my hometown qualified. So that was awesome. I got to practice for four years there. And then I got married and we bought a house and we have a big blended family with six kids. And we ended up finding our, what we hope is our forever home out in the east side of Indianapolis. So I never really had intentions of leaving my my old clinic because it's, it's where I grew up. I love my patients. It was a hard choice, but the commute mm-hmm. was really kind of the deciding factor. It sometimes would be as much as an hour and a half or two hours each way. And so I was spending my whole day driving and four of my kids are younger. They're two, four, six, and eight. And so I wouldn't get home till bedtime and I felt like I was missing out. So I'd always been interested in kind of the direct primary care concierge model because you get so much time with your patients. And I got an email from Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc that said they were opening a clinic in Zionsville. And Zionsville is only about 30 minutes from where I live now. And it's very close to where I lived when I was working in Crawfordsville. Mm. So I, it just 
seemed like the perfect match and everything just fell into place. So you were working in a clinic and it was a commute, long commute and pretty long hours. And <laughs> you have kiddos and I know how I have three, I don't have six, but I have three and I know how bedtime is chaotic, but also important okay. <laughs> to be around and ideally even more than that. And so what other pressures were you dealing with? Like around, I'm thinking back to like, you're in that practice. Was there other things that were causing you concern about the way that things were going at work or at home or the balance or what kind of led you up to this point of like even considering an email from someone about an opportunity? Mm -hmm. Well, I, like I said, I loved the clinic I was at. It was great. It was a lot busier than direct primary care is because in the typical insurance model, you really have to see a certain number of patients per day to, to break even and to meet mm. your metrics so that the clinic makes a profit. And it was just very busy. Typically doctors see anywhere from maybe like 16 to almost 30 patients in an eight hour day. And that usually ends up being maybe like 15 minute appointments, 30 minutes if you're lucky. A lot of times you'll end up double booking, trying to squeeze patients in, you know, you're sick, but you can't come in in the morning. We want to make it work for patients the best we can, but if you're already in a 15 minute slot and you double book it, you end up running really behind. It's just frustrating for patients that yep. they have to wait on you. And really like I do genuinely love to get to know my patients like on a much deeper level than just what are your medical problems? What are your medicines you take, your surgery, your family history? I want to know like, what is home like for you? Where did you grow up? What do you like to do for fun? Because all of those things have an important impact in our health and our wellness and our healthcare plans mm -hmm. together. And really in the 15 minute visits, especially in the traditional model, it's really hard to get enough accomplished to build that rapport with the patient where they trust you enough to kind of open up and tell their full story, their you know, open up more about mental health or about how things are at home. Are they safe at home? In 15 minutes, you don't usually have time to address much of that. But in direct primary care, because we limit the patient panel to much, much smaller, my average appointments are an hour. New patients, I book 90 minutes. I want to make sure that I don't leave any stone unturned to say that I am evaluating your medical problems from all aspects, what are like the social factors, environmental factors, spiritual factors that impact your health? Like, why aren't you at where you want to be wellness wise? Is it stress? Mm. Is it your schedule? And those are things that I now have time to work on with patients. So it really was multifactorial decision to change from the traditional insurance model in a federally qualified health center to direct primary care. Mm. A lot of it was home life balance, mm -hmm. spending a lot of time commuting, a lot of time at home charting on weekends and evenings, and also wanting that quality time with the patients, being able to have the time to investigate alternative treatment options for them, make sure they're getting the very best care I can provide. Not the 15 minute rushed. Somebody's right. waiting outside and 
And then if yeah. you, they need, I'm sure every once in a while you would have people that were like pretty, there's a problem that came out. And usually it's like that very last minute of the 15 minute visit. They're like, oh, by the way. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I need to talk to you, continue talking to you about this. But then I have like six people in the waiting room and, mm -hmm. and absolutely compound and yeah. And then it stresses the patient because they can tell you're rushed. It stresses the nursing staff and then everyone waiting in the waiting room. It's just kind of a snowball effect. Did you feel like it was not how you'd envisioned practicing medicine in any way in that setting at times or? Well, I guess when I dreamed of being a doctor back in the day, you know, you get the vision from scrubs or Grey's Anatomy or whatever. <laughs> like I didn't know all of the minutia that goes into it with the charting and the insurance quality metrics and checking the boxes just right and writing your notes a certain way so insurance will approve that ct scan that medicine that physical therapy order things like that it's sad but we spend at least half our time charting really i would say as as much or more time than we spend with the patient we probably spend charting on them and then also answering like other telephone notes and things like that where we have to just you're on your computer a lot more than I thought and I always kind of envisioned being a doctor as like the old style kind of you you took care of everything the family doctor you know delivered the babies and did the surgeries and knew the patients and visited them in the hospital and like knew their first names and like knew, said hi yeah. to them at the grocery store. And... Yeah. And like barter, you know, for chickens instead of, right. yeah. Or moonshine in West Virginia. No, I was kidding. Right. <laughs> and then home, like home visits and just really knowing the whole family and having that close personal relationship, individualized mm. care that you really can't get anywhere else besides the direct primary care world. Yeah, that's what I think of as like the practice of the old days, like small town doctor has a few hundred patients and they know them all by first name and they have the relationship. And I've heard people say different numbers, but like, say you have to have 2000 patients or more in that setting. And I don't think it's possible to have a relationship that's close with that many people. I've seen some studies on it, actually. I think there's been some studies that say like 150 to 300 is like max capacity of number of relationships like not just like names on a sheet of paper, but like you actually know the people relationships for any one person to have. And in that traditional model, it seems like that's just impossible. And even just the time component, like you have to have, you have to give yourself the time to build up the relationship too. And then the relationship too is trust will breed trust. And then the trust allows you to deliver better care. People have to trust you. They hold everything back when they don't trust you. Absolutely. I mean, people hold stuff at back anyway. They just don't feel comfortable until they trust you. And that's important in healthcare. I would imagine. I mean, you need to know these things and they, yeah. but people are uncomfortable. It's kind of like money. We talk about money. People mm -hmm. are uncomfortable talking about money. Uh, oftentimes, same sort of thing with healthcare, but that's why trust is so important. Was that something that basically making it difficult to provide the best patient care possible in that model? Was it getting in the way of like, I imagine it was based on our conversation so far, but I just kind of, you know, make sure that's what I'm hearing is like, was it getting in the way of providing care? I would say that in the traditional model, it's really more of a superficial level. So you're still addressing all of their medical problems, their medicines, their labs. It's more so treating like the physical body 
But as an osteopath, we believe that wellness is in mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you don't really get to that mind spirit part when you are only with someone for 15 minutes because you haven't built that trust. And I mean, that's fundamental for them to be able to open up to you. So I I think that there are amazing doctors in both models for sure that provide excellent care. It's just really time and trust and rapport is that's why people trusted their doctors that, you know, did home visits and knew their dog's name and had been taking care of them for 20 Mm -hmm. years because they knew them completely, almost like a friend. And that's really how I want my patients to feel with me, that it's not some scary, sterile exam room, that we are kind of like friends sitting down, having a cup of coffee together. We have an hour to chat. Tell me what's going on in your life. What are your goals? Where can we go from here so that you feel you're well, you're at your vision of healthiest? Yeah, I think people have different definitions of quality healthcare or quality experience or whatever. So everybody's welcome to their own view on that too. I mean, there's the minimum level standard and then there's some people have like maybe expect even more attention than in time and relationship than even just hour long visits, but everybody is going to have their different flavor of that. So you were had the a little bit of frustration in your view of healthcare, you kind of saw it a little bit differently. And you decided to make the shift. Was it like, boom, I'm making a shift? Was it like, I'm frustrated, I'm out, I'm going to consider opportunities, I'm and boom, easy peasy? Or was it, I imagine it was probably not so simple. It wasn't very simple. I felt the strong emotional connection to my last clinic. It's where I grew up. I knew my patients personally as mm. friends growing up. I didn't want them to feel like I was abandoning them for yeah. a different place. But really, my family is the most important thing to me. And they always will come first. And so I wanted an opportunity where... I could have that home life balance. And really with direct primary care, I I tell my patients, I want to take care of you like you're my own family. And I didn't feel like that was possible in the traditional model. But now I have time to really get to know my patients. And I do, I think of them, okay, if you were my sister, what kind of care would I want you to get? And that's what I try to offer them. It wasn't a quick decision necessarily. It's been something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Ever since residency in Lewisburg, they have the Greenbrier Resort there. They have the concierge medicine style. I just never knew how I could start up my own practice because they don't teach you any business at all in med school, nothing. They don't even teach you how to build. So it's like, I would have no clue where to start to order medical supplies or how do you Mm. determine what EHR you want to use, the electronic health record, or how do you find LabCorp, Quest to do your blood work? I would have no idea. So I just was Mm. blessed with the opportunity with Freedom Health Works and Freedom Doc where they can manage the entire business side. And I just get to practice medicine, how I love to practice. So you were a little intimidated with the learning all the financial business stuff. And what about the risk part? Was it scary, the idea of starting a business yourself 100% on your own? Yeah, absolutely. I even told our CEO in my interview for this like job, 
technically I'm a small business because it's an LLC, but yeah, they yeah. manage the financial part of it. I told him, I was like, this is my livelihood. This is how I feed my kids and put a roof over their heads. Like, I'm afraid, like, what happens? Is this going to work? And he said, same thing. This is my livelihood too. This is how right. I take care of my family. I'm not here to take advantage of you. We want doctors to be happy, patients to be happy, and it's just a good balance for everyone. And really, coming out of med school, most doctors have a significant amount of debt. It can range from, like, I was super blessed to get the scholarship through the National Health Service Corps to the West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine is one of the most expensive schools in the country. Out-of-state tuition is $49,000 a year. I mean, a lot of people come out with half a million dollars in yeah. just student loans not counting their college loans. So with that like insurmountable debt, plus a, a mortgage and a car and all of those things, really you have no savings to typically fall back on to live off of while you start your own practice. So it is super intimidating. And I think it's the number one challenge why people are afraid to jump from the traditional model and start their own practice and just kind of not look back. The financial part is the most intimidating part you think for most people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can see that and it makes a lot of sense. And I think I hear that a lot from people. It's like, you know, whatever business risk, not even business, I mean, any risk, people are intimidated by taking big risks. But I think we're seeing a lot within healthcare, a lot of physicians are so frustrated with it that it's like that in itself is a risk, like continuing to work in an environment that's in conflict with your values, mm -hmm. that in itself is a huge risk and you kind of have to weigh all those things. You were able to find kind of a setup that is a little bit of a hybrid. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But like, so making the jump completely on your own was felt very intimidating to the point where you're like, oh, I don't think I want to. I never would have done it on my own completely without someone that has business background, legal yeah. background, because there's just so many things that you can miss without mm. someone helping you that has that financial business background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the setup you're in now, so you were able to connect with them and they were able to be kind of a backstop to you to make this whole thing kind of work together, mm -hmm. make it happen without so much taking all this risk and having to learn all the financial stuff and business stuff and, and that sort of thing. When you heard that idea proposed, were you like, what's the catch? Like, or were you skeptical yeah. at all? Yeah. I was, I felt exactly like, well, what's the catch? You know, like this seems too good to be true. Yeah. You know, what am I missing here? And, but no, it isn't too good to be true. It's like, this is how it is. It's awesome. Although that, and that's how a lot of hospitals promote it. I mean, that's kind of what the hospital is, is like, you just go see patients. We handle all the business stuff. Yeah. It's salary. Sure. Yeah. But it's, uh, you don't have that risk of that initial investment for private yeah. practice. So I understand that that was what was keeping me you know, in the typical model as well. Something that I just heard about with my med school, which I think is great, is they have a new program where you, it's a five-year track instead of a four-year track. And at the end of the five years, you also get your MBA. And I oh. think that that's a really great opportunity for doctors so that this isn't such a scary option and more people mm -hmm. can have the same balance that I was fortunate enough to get. Yeah. The other thing too, is you guys are super smart. So like y'all are like all, all the smartest kids in the class, like 
we're book smart but not necessarily like life smart so but book smart you can learn life smart from the books like the books can teach you the life smart to, you know to yeah. some extent and mm -hmm. so you know being able to consume educational material quickly and that's pretty valuable and a lot of this business stuff is i mean it's not rocket science it's it's probably easier than medicine in some ways so but it is intimidating when you don't when you're going in not knowing anything so was it i'm curious about your setup like you didn't have to take near as much risk because they're backing you up to some extent i know you started your own practice officially like you're owning a practice but you they're backing you up and making it a little bit more of a lower risk deal so in your words how I mean, can you explain that more a little bit for us? Like, yeah. how is that working? What does that even mean? Yeah, so it is kind of like a hybrid. Like you said before, it's not like I went out, got a business loan and figured out how to open a clinic completely on my own, invested the $100,000 or whatever it takes to open a practice. My business partners, Freedom HealthWorks, Freedom Doc, they took the business loan. And they got it all set up because that's their specialty. They they found the, the building. They found LabCorp. They made sure that we have the EHR and mm -hmm. all the tiny details that we need. And basically, so they took that financial risk themselves and we partner so that they give me like a stipend enough to live off of until the clinic grows and then once the clinic starts making a profit, we share the profit 50-50. So it's a little mm. bit of a hybrid in mm. that sense, but it took off the burden of needing that huge amount of money to just invest into a practice. And also while the practice is growing, it's a good 18 months, two years before you make a profit. And so mm. you have to also live on savings. And so it's not just that, capital that you need to invest in the practice you also need to have something to fall back on to, to live, live on, on because yeah. you're not going to be making a profit for a long time so i i have full confidence in in freedom doc and freedom health works we're in a great location and i love the community and i really know that it'll be successful because it makes patients happy and it makes doctors happy too so it's a great balance yeah that that i would normally i would normally tell someone to plan for like a year of no income starting any business um like assume you're not going to pay yourself for a year plus any initial investments is probably like a good average which is super intimidating i mean that's okay. if you're used to living on x dollars per month you can do the math it's usually a big number um but if you're able to get a stipend that's a pretty big deal i think one of the biggest struggles two struggles new businesses have number one is the financial part and really what it comes down to is they don't have enough cash to mm -hmm. get through the hard part. It's always hard starting a business on the front end, especially if you're on your own, not having a setup like you. And it's that's the number one reason they ultimately fail. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Wanna hear something cool? My team at Ren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Ren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, 
the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. I guess the other part, which is kind of related, is they don't get growth of patients or clients or whatever, depending on the business type. And so Mark, that's basically marketing. Are they helping you with marketing? And what does that look like? And how are you getting new patients? Yeah, so Freedom HealthWorks has its own marketing team. And so they do all the marketing as well. Social media, newspapers, arrange events, flyers and business cards and postcards and everything that we need to get the word out there. But also, since it is a small practice, it's partially, I want to do my part and kind of the boots on the ground marketing, like going to farmer's markets and talking to friends about it. And I've like hosted my book club here. So it's like, okay, like, I'm not pushing you, but like, Mm. just get the word out. Or we have an event coming up here with a tea tasting, like a tea party kind of thing. And so it's open to the community and people can just kind of wander up here and be like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is doctor's Mm. office. Wow. And just word of mouth. Once you have, they say about 50 patients in your panel, really word of mouth begins to take over the marketing part because If you have one person sign up, they love it. They're happy. They sign their husband up. They sign their kids up. They tell their friends. And then, and then it just kind of continues to, to go from there. So. Yeah. Which is the, probably not exactly how typical or traditional practices grow. A lot of times I think it's probably referrals from Mm -hmm. other providers or the network or whatever, but yeah, word of mouth marketing is really a great way to grow a business once it gets going. Also, once it gets going, the other thing I've seen with businesses that are word of mouth is you tend to have a more values focused group of people that you work with, like people that work with you and like you tend to be on the same page about what's most important to them. And then they tend to refer people that are on the same page with all that as well. And so you you're way more likely to work with people you enjoy working with, mm-hmm. which is great for your, you know, life satisfaction and your career. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely what I've I've noticed here. I love taking care of entire families, especially like young families with lots of kids and both parents. Um mm. and so like we're sharing a building with a Pilates studio. And oh. so there's lots of moms that come up and walk past my door and they're like, Oh, you know, sports physicals are coming up. Do you do those? Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, you know, my husband doesn't have a doctor. Are you taking patients? <laughs> yeah. And so it's, that's kind of like people that I would be friends with. And mm-hmm. so I, I like love that. And we just kind of, it just naturally happens that way, like you said. Yeah. So how long have, have you been open and up and running? Is it six months now or? We, we're we just finishing month four. Okay. So you're in the mm-hmm. early days, which is fantastic. I feel like this is a great time to talk because a lot of times that's when it's like the really, really, really hardest, hard mm-hmm. time of starting a business, especially when you're like all in. 
on it because you don't usually have enough business or even close to enough to like keep the thing running, but like yep. starting to see a little bit of success to where you're like, maybe this thing can work, but you're start, you, sometimes you start to question it because it's just taking, usually it takes longer than you expect. And mm -hmm. that's a lot of times what we see, but I'm curious of your experience. Like, is it going better than you expected, right on track, worse than you expected? What are some of the challenges? Yeah, it's going better than I expected. It's really going very well. Our clinic is in a great spot in a small mm. town that is lots of foot traffic. And I share a building, like I said, with a Pilates studio. There's also a boutique underneath my clinic because I'm on the second mm. floor and then a hair salon. So oh, we get yeah. kind of like the foot traffic that we need. So that's been great. And then the word of mouth, because I didn't really start with any patients, but my business team says that we're right on target where we want to be. You don't want to grow too fast because you mm. want to be able to get to know your patients and keep your promises of same or next day appointments and hour long visits and make sure that they don't feel rushed. But we're going really well. Actually, Freedom HealthWorks has opened almost like 100 clinics across the US. And so far, with starting at zero, like we have kind of surpassed all of the other expectations as far as how many patients are enrolling. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's cool. Because that's very intimidating. I remember when I started my business, I was very concerned about that probably more than anything is like, mm -hmm. well, at first I was like, is anybody going to hire us? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. like, I wonder if anybody wants what, because you have this idea and you're like, oh yeah, it seems cool. But like, you don't really know for sure until, okay. and then the first person shows up and you're like, yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's how it was for sure. I, I mean, the first couple of weeks I would maybe have like three patients total in the entire week to see. And it's like, hmm, I get so excited. I'm waiting for my patient all day. It's like, <laughs> they come in, it's like, I've been waiting yeah. for you. Would you like a right. coffee? Like, come on, let's talk. I have all day to talk. And they're like, whoa, like, okay. I'm glad you're <laughs> excited. <laughs> so yeah. But without like if I had personally taken on that business loan, I would probably be freaking out right now because mm -hmm. we're not busy. You know, we still have a good ways to grow where we've only got, gotten to about 20% of our total enrollment that we're hoping for right now, which is great. I mean, that's yeah, but you the got, trajectory. You're only you like four months in and you're at 20% of the total. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really good. In my view, that means you got, you know, just five more of those and you're good. Yeah. So it'll and be usually fine. It, usually it builds on itself too. That's the other thing about yeah, word of mouth. Is exponential a lot of versus linear. And so I do feel great about that, but I would still be, you know, the catastrophizing warrior uh -huh. typically like, Oh my God, well, what if, what if, what if, what if it doesn't work out? What if it flops? I don't know. Like, I know we're going to be okay. And I have like a hundred percent confidence in that. So instead of asking like, what if it fails? I try to think like, what if it all works out? And it's going to. So there you go. You know, sometimes you got to work on your mindset. Our minds go towards that worst case scenario. But, all right. Well, as we start to wrap up, I, I had a couple other questions. I'm really just kind of curious about if I'm, let's say I'm a younger physician. And I think there are a lot of these folks out there that I'm like starting to hear a lot of these problems in healthcare or different new ways of doing things, but I got like a million, you know, a ton of debt and I'm really kind of like needing to get something secure going on, like outside of, or, you know, once I'm done with training, but like, I'm, I'm kind of resonating with this idea. Like what advice would you give to someone that's 
that's younger that's kind of like resonating with this but that has all this you know this dead and this concern and this fear kind of like where you were at maybe mm -hmm. if you're talking to yourself five years ago what advice would you give yourself yeah so as a resident we are doctors we do make money but it's a fraction of what you make as an attending someone that practices on their own so i would say to try to for those first few years kind of continue to live like a resident and live off of that budget and that way you can jump right into a practice like this and it's not taking like a huge pay cut because I feel like we're all like goldfish like we adjust to the size of our our bowl of how much money we make mm -hmm. and no matter what our lifestyle always will adjust and so if you get used to making you know four hundred thousand dollars a year and that's what you're 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 doing and you're great awesome for you that's amazing but then starting your own practice and going to zero or is going to be like well like how do I afford my life because you probably have the more expensive car and the house mm -hmm. and all the extra things so I I would say like just keep it simple with after residency you don't have to like you know be super frugal but be comfortable, but not splurging, not excessive, not a like luxurious lifestyle. And then just kind of take that leap of faith that it's going to work out. This is a proven model for healthcare. When we first opened, we had an open house. And one of my colleagues that I worked with who had retired last year, he's like, wow, where was this? Like when I was practicing, this is <laughs> the best of both worlds. This is amazing. And and really, that was the vote of confidence that I I needed to hear. Like, okay, he's a seasoned doctor. He's seventy years old. He mm -hmm. he's he's seen all of these models, and and he told me he's like, you know, if it didn't work out, heaven forbid, there's always going to be a corporate hospitals are all. You're never going to be without a job. You're a doctor. I mean, everyone needs healthcare. So now is the time. You're young in your career. Like now's the time to take that risk and, and, and see if it works and it will. Yeah. I think that's great. I also would agree. Like, I think a lot of times people will tell themselves like, I got to wait till I X, Y, Z, like pay off the student loans or have my financial position really solid, or even wait till I'm financially independent completely before mm -hmm. I do whatever big risk like this, for example, like starting a practice or doing things, you know, a different way. But I would argue that it's actually the best time possible right after training because yeah. you have a lot of time and you're used to a lower lifestyle and you can mm -hmm. kind of keep that low lifestyle going. And it's much easier to, because typically the biggest cost associated with starting businesses, it's not actually the, for, for service businesses, at least, it's not actually the business itself. It's the biggest cost. It's the lifestyle that you have to sustain for the time <laughs> period that the business is just not going to do very well. Right. Um, that's the biggest cost. And especially if you're like 10 years out and you've been practicing and making, you know, good income for a while, your lifestyle is going to be high, much higher than a resident. But if you're at that, still at that residency, you know, level lifestyle, that's a much more sustainable lifestyle. And I think that's great advice. Thank you. Any other suggestions or advice for other people, you know, kind of uh, like in healthcare, maybe for someone that's like in the healthcare environment that they're frustrated with the system. And I talk to a lot of these, these people, they're just, they feel kind of like stuck in the system of healthcare and they're, they don't really feel like they have any options. Yeah. I would say, honestly, to call Freedom Health Works. Yeah. Call Anna you. too. Like call me. I was doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And just 
they will help you just yeah. set up your private practice and it's okay that you don't have the business knowledge because they will do it all for you and take that risk on for you because they believe in this model. It's not mm. just that they believe in it. It's going to be successful financially. They truly believe that this is the best healthcare model for quality care for patients. And I believe that too. I really do. So I would say just take that leap of faith and get the help that you need to succeed and just continue to live a comfortable, simple life and everything's going to be okay. Right. Yep. Because the other thing too, is I can tell from just talking to you, like when you're in a work environment where you enjoy it and you're happy about it and you feel good about it, it's just comes across pretty quickly mm -hmm. and you feel good about like burnout becomes like not a thing. It's just not near. I mean, I'm sure there's cases where that still can come up, but it's like those sorts of things kind of dissipate when you have an enjoyable work experience and that's priceless. Like that's, you can't mm -hmm. really put a dollar amount on like doing something you enjoy or taking good care, having the time to take care, good care of patients. And that's yeah. unfortunately a lot of people are, are missing that, but well, Anna, I appreciate you coming on. This has been fun conversation and congratulations on all Thank the you. success, especially so early on. Like it's pretty impressive just for four months in and I appreciate you. Thank you. I feel really fortunate and so blessed to have this opportunity. I never really thought that I'd be able to have a private practice and, but I do, I love coming to work every day. You know, mm -hmm. like you said, I, I genuinely do. And I have time to to sit and talk with my patients, have a cup of coffee together and just get, really get to know them. So, so yeah, thank you. It's been really an amazing experience so far. And I know it'll continue to just get better. Yeah. I may, maybe I, maybe we'll do like a check-in like a few years in and yeah. see how I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll be thriving, but best of luck going forward. And thanks again. Thank you so much. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and wanna to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.